0: This is the last uh, part of the three part series and uh, it, it kind of it kind of builds um on each other so the first part was the historical part and the second part was evolution and Darwin and and, and miracles and how we can you know use that as evidence to build our faith and then this is the the last the last part um, and it's I don't have cam's slide up here but um You know, all all of this is in honor of uh, Cam who, you know, passed passed away. And just a last quick, last reminder that um, if anybody, you know, is interested in going to heaven, um, you have to make sure you give Cam a call and reserve your seat. (laughs) That's from the first talk. So if you you want to listen to the first talk, it'll make more sense to you. Um, So, and I am so glad that Farrell is here. You know, I had a, who was it from UAB? He was here last time, and he helped me too. So we gave this talk, and this talk was initially given to the high school students um, in honor of Cameron too and Lauren, so that if there was anything that we could do to help him and his ministry reach the high school students. So this was initially, you know, for them, and we gave the series. Um, I've kind of upgraded the version for the adults a little bit. But this was one of the slides that, that we um, showed them, and in um, God, God or man-made, and this is a heart. Um, and so, if you guys don't mind, ask uh, me asking you, what would y'all say? Is it God or man-made? I mean, you could argue it's God because God made us and we made it, but um, that is. <clears throat> and so, what is this one? God or God, God or man-made? And so then you could back up a little bit and take it one step further. And the high school students really did, once they got over the, the nervousness, um, when I asked them, how would you describe this heart? And you guys, you know, don't be shy. Just, there's no wrong answer. Just throw out a couple of adjectives. Cold, yeah. Cold is good. Mechanical. Mechanical. Ugh, rigid. You guys are so good. Okay, so then let's, now how would you describe this? oh my gosh, Whew. you get the prize there. What did he say? Flesh. Flesh. And in the whole, the whole um, series, we've been talking about, you know, how do you find science in Scripture, and how does Scripture support science? And, and without even knowing it, Frank pulled out a piece of Scripture uh, as we're talking about science. And so they go hand in hand. And when we go back to the very first part of the talk, it, we shouldn't be sort of like, you know, awed by that because God wrote the book of nature. You know, he created our bodies. He's given us the ability to reason. Um, and so as we, as we read his scripture and we, we discover his world, uh, then that together makes our faith stronger. And, and he kind of knows that. So it's a, pretty, it's a pretty masterful plan because as we use our reason that he gave us to discover his world, to, to discover our bodies, and Pharaoh's here to tell you we're discovering our bodies there's so much we don't know, uh, that all that together makes our faith stronger. And so it's just this circular will. And so Frank gets the A for the day because this is John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word was made flesh. And so, and the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so there's just such that distinction between what he makes and and what we can make and, and because he's a creator. So um, I didn't know Pharaoh was going to be here, but this is his, this is his world, this is not my world, but this is his world. But I think I think and I'll, I'll love for Pharaoh to comment on on this. I mean this is, this is an amazing, marvelous organ. When you think about it, um you know the electrical pathway the the heart has the sa node it stops at the av node and and it goes down to the f- f- um, ventricles and when you think about you know uh, this is the histology part of it and then when you think about you know pretty much everything we make you know oh god cell phone crash you know got a recharge cell phone computer died um gotta change the light bulb Everything we create just seems to have to have, you know, something either electrical or battery or something there. But yet this creation is, is just totally, totally different. Um, in under a minute, your heart can pump blood to every cell in your body. And over the course of a day, about 100,000 heartbeats shuttle 2,000 gallons of oxygen-rich blood through vessels that link together the cells of our organs and body parts. That's a hefty job for a fist size, though weighing only 11 ounces on average. Because the heart has its own electrical impulse, it can continue to be, uh, even when separated from the body, as long as it has an adequate supply of oxygen. Um, this talks about more of the parts of the uh, heart, and uh, which we won't go into all that, and, and Ferrell can attest to how amazing that organ is, but we have to touch on some of the details of each one of these organs that we're going to cover, because if we don't touch on some of the details, um, you can't really appreciate how amazing, uh, you know, the, the creation of each one of those organs. Um, so they pass through a region specialized cardiac muscle tissue and a relay point. Here the impulses are delayed for about 0.1 second before spreading to, to the walls of the ventricle. So the, the blood comes up to the um, atrium, they fill, and then it, it has to be so coordinated because then they have to constrict and the body the blood has to go into the ventricles and then it just all has to just work like a well-oiled machine you hope unless there's some some pathology there so what about what about this what would you guys say this is a dialysis machine you know again you could say it's you know it's man-made so this guy is probably about six foot two so this dialysis machine is i don't know five five six maybe or five five four something once again, what's it got? It's got a plug going into the electrical. It's got these tubing that's going on here. So that's God made. So what about, I mean, that's that's man made. What about this? And Frank would use the same word. I would use the same word too. Organ, flesh. And look at the size of this kidney. It's like four inches. Four and a half inches is one kidney. That dialysis machine, how many hundreds of pounds was a dialysis machine. It's got to be plugged into the wall. And that whole machine that we've created, this is a four, four and a half inches. This is one kidney. What we've designed that whole machine can do. And, and, and people can't stay on dialysis, you know, for forever. So this, each kidney is about four, four and a half inches long. Each kidney weighs approximately four to six ounces. And we're talking a hundred, hundred pounds of a dialysis machine. The kidneys have a higher blood flow than even the brain, liver, or heart. The kidneys reabsorb and redistribute 99% of the blood volume and only 0.1% of the blood filtered becomes urine. So it's got to filter all that blood and only 0.1% becomes, um, is a urine. The volume of urine excreted daily varies from uh, 1,000 to 2,000 mLs. The kidneys perform life-sustaining job of filtering and returning to the bloodstream about 200 quarts of fluid every 24 hours about two quarts are removed from the body in the form of urine, and about 198 quarts are recovered. Uh, your kidneys receive about 120 pints of blood, you know, per hour. Each kidney is made up of one to two million nephrons. So we could, we could talk about it's four and a half inches compared to a dialysis machine. What, what really is going on inside the kidney? It's got two million nephrons. And we, we um, have made this, um, you know, just meager attempt at, at trying to uh, create a nephron. Um, the kidneys also change blood pressure. They're responsible for making red blood cells, and they're responsible for m- making uh, vitamin D, along with other things. You know, what a crucial organ there. This is a cross-section of a kidney. This is one nephron, so don't forget there's 2 million of those in one kidney. This is uh, the, the top part of the uh, nephron called a glomeruli, more of a histology sh- shot there and so within one nephron so there's two million nephrons within one nephron um, this is the descending loop uh, this is the uh, the distal loop the proximal and each part is specific for a um, uh, for its own function this is where sodium gets reabsorbed where uh, water over here is where um, calcium uh, potassium plays a big role so people who are on diuretics and spill cast uh, spill potassium and so very very complex and and complicated so what about our eyes 2020 vision so this was in the birmingham news uh pursuing a vision so it's taken 20 years i mean this is pretty humbling and 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 i'm not knocking it or anything uh but you know people who who can't see it's it's um sad but it's taken us 20 years and 200 million dollars to to make a bionic eye and it says, so that doesn't make quite sense in that one sentence, does it? So it's 20 years, $200 million, bionic eyes restores limited eyesight to the bond. I mean, when I think of bionic, I think of that movie, when we, that show when we were growing up, yeah. you know? But it says that bionic restores limited eyesight. So how, how can we use the word bionic there? And so you have to implant this thing into your socket. You have to wear this pack over here and then it, the visual comes in, it goes back to the camera, and then it gets relayed up to the brain. This is what you see, because this is what we're capable of making, like a computer. It's like, like an Alabama and Auburn, Auburn uh, football game. It's this dot matrix. And then when you read up here in this paragraph, it says that um, it can make a big difference for patients to be able to, for instance, climb sidewalks or get through doors without aid of a cane i mean for somebody that that's that's amazing but when you think about 20 years and 200 million dollars wow and all the different all the different eyes out there um so like like the heart like the kidney like the eye uh you've got a pupil you've got a lens you've got a cornea you've got a conjunctiva you got this optic nerve you got all these blood vessels so the human eye can distinguish between 500 shades of gray and can detect over 10 million colors. And we've created something that cost $20 million, 20 years, and you can walk through a door. I mean that's, you know, if that's not evidence to believe that God created our bodies. I don't know. The cornea is the only part of the human body that has no blood supply. The average adult blinks at it 10 to 20 times per minute with an average of 4 billion uh, was it 200 million blinks a year? You'll be shocked to know that the human eye is composed of around 2 million working parts. 2 million working parts in the eye and 12 million <laughs> photoreceptors. Half of our brain is always busy in analyzing data received from the eyes and monitoring the eyes. Human eyes can process around 36,000 bits of data every hour. The optic nerve consists of 1 billion fibers. Uh, the human eye can see a lit candle from around 14 miles away. And so then we even use that information and we go back and tie it into the evolution topic. And, you know, uh, Darwin was pretty, as we mentioned before, he was pretty humble. I mean, he made some of these discoveries, but he wasn't out there, you know, uh, promoting it like, it like it was. You know, there were others that took that ball and created this topic of evolution and made it some, something much greater than it really is. So, even, so what did Darwin say? Even Darwin said he was stumped by the human eye he admitted that the eye, so powerful and intricate, left him scratching his head, so to speak. Darwin declared, and this is, quote, To suppose that the eye, with all of its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and chromatic aberration, could have been formed by natural selection seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest degree. And that's origin of species chapter um six so last we could go on and on with this human body i mean it just gets more and more you know uh, uh, amazing and so this is a picture of a prosthesis and and again you know for those folks that have accidents or, or born with disabilities you know this is wonderful that we can at least give them some hope and, and they can exercise or have a normal life but Look! Look at this, and we can go through the same exercise. You know, how would you describe that? We get we get the same sort of thing: mechanical, cold. <clears throat> and and when you when you look at that, and then you look at something like this. This is a cross section of a leg. Look how Im- amazingly complicated and, and intricate it is. You've got all these muscle groups. You've got two bones. You've got these blood vessels. You've got these nerves that that are. Um, um, controlling movement so you got the vascular system, you got the muscular system, you got the nervous system, you got the spinal cord, you got the brain. <clears throat> and then look at all the bones, different bones in the and the and the foot, the tendons, the muscles. And then, you know, we we when we think about this, we have to go to one of the most famous quotes in scripture, you know, Matthew. And how how uh how appropriate is uh for this you know, scripture, when we're talking uh, about, um, you know, the musculoskeletal system. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the the ear, even pretty, you know, more amazing. Um, <clears throat> actually, this is this is i may skip over the ear because it's and because of time but this is one picture one slide on a, a baseball slide and so even if your guys aren't baseball fans one day this summer there'll be five bazillion baseball games on um, turn on a game and just for a minute watch uh, a pitcher and the batter and, and don't look at it, you know who cares about who's playing who cares about the score but just when you think about this slide, think about a pitcher and, uh, and the batter for me from a spiritual standpoint. Like, why am I going to watch baseball from a spiritual standpoint? But, but definitely do that for me and look at it from a, the anatomy angle. A major, league, a major league pitcher can throw a baseball up to 95 miles per hour. Some can move it even faster. At this speed, it, ta- at this speed it takes about four-tenths of a second for the ball to travel, 60 feet, 6 inches from the pitcher's mound to home plate. By the time the ball has traveled a dozen feet from the pitcher's mound, the batter has a good visual fix on it. In a thought process much too quick for deliberation, he has decided whether or not the pitch is a fastball, curveball, slider, knuckleball, screwball, or whatever. Yet a good deal of data has gone into this instantaneous and nonverbal decision. During the entire middle portion of the pitch, the batter must time the ball and decide where to swing. If the batter decides to swing, he must start when the ball is approximately 25 to 30 feet in front of the plate. The ball will arrive at the plate about 250th seconds of a, thousands of a second later, about the limit of a human reaction time. The bat must make contact with the ball within an even smaller time range, a few thousandths of a second error, and timing will result in a foul ball position, is important too hitting the ball only a few millimeters too high or too low results in a fly ball or a grounder exactly how humans are able to estimate the expected position of a quickly moving ball is unknown and so you know i'm not going to go into the the ear um sorry for the auburn fans but this was a sports illustrated uh and this just whether it's baseball or sports you know um tying in the, the anatomy and physiology and just all of us to just like pause and see, you know, how, how did that really happen? Um, this is Kevin Norwood. And this is not like a, you know, some sort of, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but um, he truly was that high uh, going over these, these players. He's what, five, he's what, almost six six feet. And so you look at that and you go, wow, you know, how did, how did how did he clear that? What does it take to do that? Well, it takes, we just talked about a few of the organs the eye, the brain, the heart, the lungs, the kidney, the muscles, the feet, and then we ask ourselves, you know, how did he do that? But isn't it more appropriate to ask, you know, how did he do that? Of course, with a capital H. <coughs> this is a. Um, uh, a book by uh, an orthopedic surgeon, Paul Brand, and um, it, it, um, he spent most of his career treating patients with leprosy. writes in the preface of his book, I have come to realize that every patient of mine, every newborn baby, every cell of its body has a basic knowledge of how to survive and how to heal that exceeds anything that I shall ever know. That knowledge is the gift of God who has made our bodies more perfectly than we could ever devise. Um, This is, uh, from, um, Corinthians a little bit. And we're, we're gonna talk about the Corinthians, uh, piece of scripture in a little while. But he's taking that and he's added an an anatomy, physiology angle to it, which is pretty, pretty neat. So this is, uh, he's taking Paul's analogy. The body is one unit, though it is made up of many cells. And though all its cells are many, they form one body. If the white, but the white blood cell should say, because I am not a brain cell, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for the reason, cease to be a part of the body. And if the muscle should say to the optic nerve, because I am not an optic nerve, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an optic nerve, where would be the ability to walk? If the whole body were an auditory nerve, where would be the sense of sight? But in fact, God has arranged the cells in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be, if all cells were the same where would the body be as it is there as it is there are many cells but one body so then you can look at it well what's the most powerful organ in the body you know ferrell would say it was the heart <clears throat> but um, if if you know you got to have pump you got to have the pump but what about the lungs um, I, kind of, I kind of am a lung person a little bit, but, um, you know, if, if I don't give oxygen to Farrell's heart, his heart's, even though it's got its own electrical system, it's got to have oxygen. Well, the kidney people would say, well, if we don't filter the blood, toxic wastes are going to get built up, and you know, it doesn't matter if you've got a good heart or a good lungs. And then the GI people would say, well, if you don't feed somebody, you know, we've seen, you know, folks in concentration camps or whatever, it doesn't do the other organs any good. So what about the dermatologist well the skin if, if you don't have a good skin you get um, plagued with infections and you can you can die uh, there's the brain endocrine and it just goes on and on how about reproduction if we can't pass on our genetic dna you know what, what good are we and then it goes to the topic of well you know how, how can all this you know darwinian uh, evolution with random mutations and all of these organs happened at the same time uh, to create the human body. You know, is that really possible that all those random, random mutations in the heart, in the lungs, in the kidney, um, could have, could have, uh, you know, created, evolved the body evolved uh, the way it has? Um, and so this is Corinthians. Uh, just as body, just as a body, the one has many parts. But all its many parts form one body, so is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are all given the one Spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an a ear, where would the sense of smell be? But In fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So it's kind of an analogy that we're all part of the church, too. Uh, but it's kind of an, an anatomy, uh, anatomy, spiritual you know, angle to it. That's why Corinthians, that's such a great great verse. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving great honor to those parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices in it. Now you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And so I think, you know, before we were talking about how do you find science in Scripture, and how does Scripture support, um, you know, science? (coughs) um, Because of time, I won't go over the valley of the dry bones, but it's full of bones and tendons and biology, which is good stuff, but um, so when um, we gave this talk to the high school students, we tried to preface the slide, the slide a little bit more, but it's, always, it's also for us too. And, and, and Cornelia, I can't tell you how many times around our house, especially with three girls, you know, she has quoted this. <clears throat> so this is Corinthians also. Do you not know that you're members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do, you bodies, do your bodies are members of Christ himself Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? With one in her body? For it is said, The two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Do you not know what your bodies? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. And so, I, I, you know, I I struggle, you know, like everybody in this room, you know, how many young adults we've lost in this community, you know, recently. And and so, um, you know, if there's a way where we can um, have our our young high school students, you know, become more spiritually um, strengthened, you know, is there something in Scripture where, obviously, from looking at these slides. You know, God created us, and, and it's, it's not our bodies; it's His body. And if we can get this concept of honor your God, honor God with our bodies, because it really is His His, his body. And even more so, He took it one step further, um, and we were bought at a we were bought at a price. You know, He gave us His only begotten Son. So, um, <clears throat> this is R.J. He's a, a patient of ours, and. And again, um, this slide is, you know, somewhat directed uh, for us, but it was um, also for the young students, the young adults. And RJ has a uh, 5p chromosome um, deletion, and and he was born with that. And he's got a pretty severe developmental delay. He can, um, he can speak. Uh, he can say a few words. Um, he's got uh, heart problems. He's got asthma, endocrine issues, and the list goes on and on. And the last time I saw him, I walked into the room and typically you guys have been there before, just on the other side, you go you knock and you go into a room and you say, the first thing you say is, Okay, how are things going? And um this day, um his mom said, Um, uh, so when I said, you know, how's how's RJ doing? And his his mom looked up with just it's this incredible, uh, peaceful look. And she said, Um, RJ is doing the best with what God has given him. <coughs> and um yeah you know, to be honest with you i really i really uh appalled because I, it was just one of those kind of kind of moments where she said it in such a way where she was she was okay with it you know this this is she's had him he's sixteen years old and she loves him dearly and it's god's body and and he's doing the best with what God has given him and so um as I thought later that day um you know, once again, how's R.J. doing? R.J. does the best with what God has given him. And so I, I, it's a lesson that, that I've learned, and Farrell is here, and you don't have to be in, in medicine to, to not realize that every day we hopefully will learn something new from somebody to help uh, us grow spiritually. Um, but um, especially for the young adults, but for us, you know, too, are we doing the best with what God has given us? Um, certainly some days we're okay. Some days we're probably not quite there but it's just a, just a reminder. Um, I had to throw this slide in here. It's, uh, Bonhoeffer reminds us then that God said, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness. The church is a communion of sinners as well as a communion of, communion of saints touched by the saving acts of Christ. Suffering then is the real badge of true discipleship. <clears throat> well, um, this is time for just a little bit of humor. Um, when we gave this talk, it was right around the Super Bowl, you know, time for the adolescents. So this is a Super Bowl commercial. So you have to kind of think a Super Bowl commercial here. <clears throat> and so we're up in heaven, and this is God and this is Peter, and they're having this conversation. And <clears throat> so Peter, Peter says to God, "So God, what do you think? Things going as planned so far?" And God said, "Yeah, yes and no. You have to, you have to admit." They are determined creatures, but at times they seem so clueless. And St. Peter says, oh, hey, God, what do you think about all this genetic engineering craze? And God says, Well, you know, Pete, I did give them the ability to reason. Uh, keep me posted on that topic, would you? What really upsets me now is how they've allowed guns to enter the schools. So many tragedies, my poor children. And then Peter says, Yes, God. And we thought it was bad in the days of Moses when people were throwing stones. And then St. Peter says, well, God, what do you think? Is it time to send Jesus down? And God says, well, it could be soon, Pete. Let's have another Bud Light and talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> um, so I'm going to jump into the spiritual path uh, real, real quickly. Uh, and the, the point there, again, um, was it... For the young adults, you know, to kind of give them um, maybe a little bit of direction, where, they, where they've where they been, where they are, and where they might be going, you know, when you think about um, most of us were probably born into a Christian family, but maybe not, but we were all baptized as a baby, but we were babies, um, and then I was Catholic, this is my first communion, Father Allen here, and you can see me, I'm the tall guy in the very back there, <laughs> just kidding <laughs> and so you make your uh, scrapping young lad there so you so you uh you know you have your uh your first communion and then you have your confirmation and you kind of you're picking up pieces to the puzzle you know but i think most of us would say here your spiritual faith is just in its infancy you know it just takes exposure and reading scripture and being exposed to other people and the, hardships of life and you just kind of either you you build your faith or you just lose interest and you just become an atheist or whatever. And so these are just different spiritual faith paths. And when I looked at this, you know, there are 20, the, the word path is used 23 times in the Bible. And you think, why is the word path used 23 times, you know, in the Bible? And it's there for a reason. It's, it's there for us to continue. It's a reminder for us if we read scripture. It's a reminder there because it's there to say stay on track, stay on the path, stay on the path. You know, so many things that can help us get off the path. So the path on the left is a nice path that goes through the woods. Not a whole lot going on there. This path to the right, you know, many of us have probably been there. This is, a, this is the path that's got a fork in the road. And we have, a, we have a choice. Either we go right and we make a decision where we may uh, make a decision that something will strengthen our faith. Or we take a left and we go through a path that just uh, take a choice that maybe won't increase our path you know some days again for the for the young adolescents for the students and for even us some days it's like god this is real i mean this is you know and and i I keep thinking what cameron and lauren have gone through and i'm thinking man what how many paths have they gone through you know lately Uh, the path on the left nice concrete path solid secure foundation all the lights that are around this path well lit you know you got to like being on that path uh, that's a strong path of, of, of spiritual faith but then how many folks have been on this path to the right snow on the ground you can't see the path there's ice in the trees it looks cold it looks scary you know pretty, fe- pretty um, fearful you know how do you go through times when you're like this and to get back on that path sometimes um, it takes other people and certainly that's what scripture is there for Sometimes the path can be just a bunch of little pieces of a puzzle, but you put this piece and this piece and that piece together, and your faith gets stronger and stronger. And to me, to me, the science is a part of that puzzle. You know, uh, and again, not to say it too much, but God's given us the, busy, the ability to reason, to use our brains, to understand what He's given us, His Word, which is Scripture. And again, He's given us the ability to reason to make all these incredible discoveries. You know, and again, Newton, Copernicus, Galileo, Kepler, all those were brilliant scientists that made these amazing discoveries, but it was God who created those discoveries. But they had such incredible faith, and so those two together make our faith stronger. How about the path on the right, where the gates the gates closed? You know, there can't be a God. God wouldn't let that happen, or God wouldn't there wouldn't be a God. There's days where there's uh, light shining on the path from uh, up above, and I thought this path was caught my attention so it's a it's a path that looks kind of hollow and dark, but you see three lights at the end and this, this is certainly an indication that uh this, the trinity you know the uh, god uh, his son the holy Spirit so again, this was um geared towards students, but it's a little bit geared towards us too you know these kids take these 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 a p classes and all these um you know they get on these tracks whether academic or sports or musical instrument and The same is for us. We go to work, and we have family, and we have to exercise. And you know, do we do we spend enough time, you know, with Scripture and pausing to look at the anatomy and physiology and look at the incredible world that's around us? You know, probably everybody in this room has probably paused and seen a rainbow or a waterfall or something and gone, you know, that's just you know amazingly gorgeous. Um, So I won't go over all 23 pieces of path from Scripture. But just a few. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Again, why why is there 23 you know, quotes from Scripture about path? It makes you kind of wonder about that. Is that, is that not a reminder? You know, follow me. Um, Isaiah, Thus said the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, neither shall one thrust another, thou shalt walk every one in this path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. So, we have a we have a we have a reminder talking about this spiritual path topic. We have a we have a reminder in scripture, uh, 23 times. Stay on the path. You know, don't 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 um, let things get you off the path, and don't forget that God's given us the ability to reason. But what if we're not riding around uh, with our Bible in our in our car? What other reminders do we have um, to reassure us that that there is there is a God and and that um, He's there for us? So we are a Christian nation, and there was an article in the Birmingham News that Andrew quoted the other day, which you know, 12% of um, the state of Alabama has becoming non-religion, but on the other other hand. 86% of people in the state of Alabama are Christians. And, and you know, it's the Bible Belt, but still, 86%. And then there's 33% of the world is Christian. And so, um, you know, we are a Christian nation. Um, and, and I'll, I'll uh, back that up by saying, you know, why did our founding fathers add God to the documents that started uh, this country? Um, and if I could just, you know, quickly, you know, read this. Um, When in the course of this is from the Declaration of Independence, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature, capitalized, and of nature's God entitle them a dissent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the cause which impel them to, uh, to the separation. And then the third um, reference to God in the Declaration of Independence, the third reference to God is the word Creator, capitalized, found in the second paragraph. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This boldly identified our basis for at least three unalienable rights as God, and the founders identified this truth as self-evident. So passionate were they with respect to these three God-given rights that such was identified as the purpose of the government. And then there's the last two, of of the declarations of independence the fourth and fifth reference to god are found in the last paragraph the right the rightness of our calls was left to god as judge we therefore the uh, representatives of the united states of america in general congress assembled appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the resettitude of our intentions uh, due due in the name and the authority i won't finish the rest but the point, the point is, you know, that's a, a part of our, our, our nation. And then what about when we're, just driving, when we're just driving around? You know, this Declaration of Independence, when we're driving around, this is the first car we bought and we still drive it. The girls calls, call it Maud. But when you're driving around, you know, it's hard to, um, is it that difficult to turn off the radio and, and, and not text while you're driving? But look at the car in front of you, because it's probably going to say, you know, God bless America. And isn't that a reminder? It's a pretty easy reminder. And then, we, even though we all have de- debit cards and credit cards, you know, there there is on the on the dollar bill, you know, what does it say on the dollar bill? And why does it say on the dollar bill, in God we trust? Uh, because we we because we should. It's another another reminder. So a quick a quick summary. Um, you know, we talked about the beginning of the, um, the very first topic was follow the evidence. Socrates, follow the evidence. You know, let's just follow the evidence and see where we'll lead. God has given us the ability to reason. The call to love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Matthew, you know, we don't forget the word mind. You know, that's, that's why, um, you know, faith is, is based on reason and using our minds. The idea is that God reveals himself to mankind in two qualitatively different ways by inspiring the sacred writer, the Bible, and by creating the world, science books. We humans can look at both to learn about God. Now, since both books have the same ultimate author, there can't be any contraindications between them. so it just kind kind of makes sense. With the above two, faith is not elite. And we talk about that in the second part where you hear this leap of faith. you has got to take a leap of faith. Well, it shouldn't be a leap of faith. He's given us the ability to reason. He's given us scripture. We, if we use our ability to reason to discover his world, like Newton, Kepler, and Copernicus, then, then it makes our faith even stronger. And it should be, like we talked about in the second series, it should be nothing more than like a baby taking their first step um, when they leave the coffee table and they take a baby step because it's all there for us. We talked about the historical scientists, Copernicus, Galileo, you know, Galileo was in house, house arrest. I mean, I, I can't. it's amazing what, you know, he discovered, but yet the Pope, um, you know, would not allow him to, um, you know, leave house arrest. But he didn't care. He was a devout Catholic until the end of the day. We talk about um, Newton, uh, Boyle, Mendel, Pasteur. You know, isn't that enough of the big-time historical? The modern scientists, especially uh, the director of the NIH... Frank Collins, his book that he wrote, um, you know, he, he uh, helped uh, map the um, genes with the genome project. Project, six lines of evidence that show that natural selection could not have produced new life forms. We covered most of these. We talked about the the what's called the edge of evolution. You know that there's limits to evolution. There's so many um, you know gaps there. We talked about breaking down the DNA where there's genetic limits to evolution the term irreducible complexity, you know, how certain organs like the eye are, are designed. And if you take one piece out of it, it just won't work. So it could not have evolved into that. Uh, the, the lack of transitional forms, you know, when you think about, you know, taking a, a, a mold or whatever, a slime and to, to a human being, how many Im- amazingly transitional forms it, you had to go to a rapt- reptile, to a mammal, to a human being, and there's no evidence for any of those transition, transitional forms the fossil record doesn't doesn't show that evolution god's plan scientific for basis uh, for miracles um, you know we talk about the scientific basics for miracles how we can explain miracles scientifically uh, and how the uh, disciples died you know all of them just terrible you know why, why would you know at, as each disciple died wouldn't you think the next one was said yep i'm out here you know, I'm not going to be crucified. I'm not going to be headed. But no, their, their conviction was so strong. Um, we talked about the world being Christian, but how much more work is being done, you know, not only here at the Advent, but, but Africa was, was so exciting in Africa is, is, is the increase in Christianity in Africa is like up 22%. You know, when we think about when 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 Christ was getting going, uh, he, he died in AD 33. Paul died in 55. But in the second century BC, um, Christianity was the number one religion. So in 200 years, you figure in, in Africa, if we lived to 80 or 90 years old and our kids lived 80, 90, in 200 years, how, how potentially Christianity could change in Africa and in, in, um, in China. So that's going to be exciting to see. We talked about uh, God's anatomy and physiology, the spiritual path. <clears throat> and so the take-home message is build a rock solid. And we talked about the students We use this term, the three little pigs, um, the story of three little pigs. And so, you know, um, are we going to be pigs that build our faith on straw? uh, Are we going to build our faith on, you know, logs? Are we going to build our faith on, you know, one brick at a time, one brick at a time? So when something bad happens, you know, you've got a a strong faith there. It's evidence-based. It's grounded in the cumulative data found in science which hopefully we've presented enough data here in the last two um, Sundays that there's enough data in science and there's enough evidence in Scripture to support science. History, the biblical narrative, Scripture, God wrote both books, and personal experience, the Holy Spirit. And, and the, whole, this, the personal experience thing is so important because if, if somebody, you know, if, like George has a dream, and and I, and I run to George the next day and say, "Oh, how's it going?" He goes, "Man, I had this terrible dream. you're not going to believe it. This guy was chasing me through this parking lot with this knife blah 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 and And we've all had those kind of bad dreams and i'd say there's no way you, you didn't you didn't have that dream. that couldn't have happened. And you say, You know, I really did and so our own personal experiences, nobody can tell you that you didn't have a personal experience <clears throat> and and to uh, a testament you know to that was uh, one last quick story. Um, and I'll just talk about one of these. We were at a, uh, a meeting, a medical meeting uh, recently, and um, it was a Friday-Saturday meeting, <clears throat> and we were there. And Friday afternoon after the meeting, we were asked to come to the, to the dinner. And so Cornelius, so we went to the dinner, and there were 13, the, um, there were 13 speakers at the lecture the whole weekend. And so uh, the 13 speakers were there and, and uh, from the NIH, from England, from Australia, and Farrell's been to these, these meetings. and so we were sitting at this um, table, and um, there was a fellow from um, England across from us, and next to him was another professor's wife and so you know we started talking about how many kids do you have, and you know that type of talk, and he said, "Yeah, I've got an 18 um, month old little boy, and, and he's, he's wonderful he's got." He's got um, some significant developmental delays, but he's just he's just wonderful. And then he he went on to uh, say that his um, he took his wife to the hospital. She was pregnant. Um, she started bleeding. Um, things just, just were not going right. <clears throat> and the the OB um, said, "I think you're going to lose your wife, and there's a good chance you're going to lose your child." And he um, t- was telling us this story at the dinner table. And um, he said, yeah, I went to church a couple of times as, as a kid, but he was just distraught. I mean, and just within a couple of hours, he's about to lose his wife and his, his child. And so the doctor said, you know, just go to the cafeteria, get get a cup of coffee, and, and give us a little bit of time. And so he's walking down the cafeteria, um, and he's he's not sure why, but he passes the chapel on the left, and he, you know, he hadn't been to church since he was like, you know, in fifth grade because his mom his parents told him to go so he goes into the chapel number one and he's and he's kneeling down he doesn't know how to pray doesn't know what to say and uh a priest came in and, and, and saw that he was having a difficult time and asked him you know do you want me to pray with you and he, and he said yeah I, I want you to you know pray with me so they did so he went and got his cup of coffee and went back up and uh and and the doctor came out and said you know what your wife your wife is stable. She's she, she's the blood transfusion. She's really, you know, she's on the ventilator, but we really feel good about it. And then the neonatologist came out and said, you know, your son is he's he's stable. You know, he's he's going to be okay. He's going to have some issues. And and so to to that day, you know, at the dinner table, he he was he just said, you know, from in his heart, something just truly truly happened. And so from that day on, he he found uh, he found Christ. Contrary to that. Is the next to him was the uh, another professor's wife. And Cornelia was there. She can she can tell you, and 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 we were just having a glass of wine, just sort of kind of being. We were invited. I wasn't going to be controversial or anything. And so this the other wife, uh, professor, academic world, you know, big time. And she said, um, Yeah, you know, I think I can live a, a good moral life without being a Christian. And so I looked at Cornelia, and we were kind of sipping our wine. And then she said, "You know, but I just, I just love that church music. I don't know why I, what it makes me feel, but that church music." And then we didn't say anything. And then on her own, she said, "You know, when I visit my friends that, and I go visit their church, and when I when I leave, I do feel good after I leave after I leave church." And and we didn't say anything because we were invited. But later that night, I woke up at 2:30 in the morning, just not thinking about all this new medical technology, but I was thinking about her. And, and I was thinking, you know, how can somebody be so smart um, but, but not be willing to have her experience and then have his experience? And the only thing I could think of is that, number one, she's not using her God's ability to reason to think about all this. And she wasn't willing to pause um, and, and to reflect on why she was feeling that way. And and I honestly feel that she was not willing, that it was God's spirit that was making her feel that way, but but she didn't want to open up the door, you know. And you guys probably know people like that; they just don't want to open up the door. And then and then it was even more so. I think it was the the dreaded F word. Do you know, I think it was the dreaded F word. I think she was fearful of what she was going to find. You know, why, how else can you explain the church music? and leaving church and all that. So anyway, i just pause to, to the personal experiences. These are the last two quotes. Paul, one more time, you know, Paul, Paul says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what has been made, so that men are without excuse. And I think that could be directed more towards the professor's life.